So the evening of our first day together, been really appreciating your commitment to the practice. This first day of the retreat, which is sometimes can be a bumpy ride. And uh, really takes, takes patience, doesn't it? Takes patience and the willingness just to keep renewing the sense of intention, you know. Just to keep coming back to the intentions that we're practicing. Because that's really what, in many ways, what we're doing. We're, we're practicing intentions moment by moment. And we can see that it's, it's really intention that, that shapes experience, doesn't it? You know, this relates to the title of this retreat, you know, remembering and awakening the heart's potential. Uh, and we maybe can get a sense of this heart-mind. The, the, the Pali word is citta, C-I-T-T-A. And, and as in a lot of older and Eastern languages, it means both kind of heart and mind, the heart-mind. And, uh, you know, it's, it's worth just kind of pausing for a moment, even as you sit here and just sensing how tremendously powerful our heart-minds are. You know, this, the heart-mind creates so much, doesn't it? I mean, the, the very first verse of the Buddha's teaching in a collection, the, the most popular collection of, of the Buddha's teachings, the Dhammapada, is it, it goes, all experience is preceded by mind. We could say by heart-mind. Led by mind. Made by mind. It's a, it's a prof- profound statement, isn't it? You know, this heart-mind kind of shapes. It's, it's, a, it's an organ, really, of perception and intention that shapes and creates the world of the moment, doesn't it? You know. And... You know, part of, of remembering and awakening to the heart's potential is to, is to kind of remember, rediscover just how shapeable it is. <laughs> just how shapeable it is. And, and we can see that, can't we? Because, you know, so often it's, it's a difficult thought that comes up and shapes the heart-mind. You know, intentions are not always skillful intentions. They may be kind of confused intentions or habitual intentions because we can see just how the, the heart-mind kind of develops these grooves, doesn't it? The groove may be of, of impatience or self-judgment or boredom or kind of dissociation or any of the other visitors that may have uh, shown up for you today, you know. 
And, and what we're doing, you know, in a very real way is, is kind of getting to, to, to know those and to, to more consciously reshape the heart-mind with conscious intention. There's a, a famous summary of the path by, by uh, one of the first European uh, Buddhist monks who went to Sri Lanka called Nyanaponika Terra. And he, he described this path. He said, this path is one of knowing the mind, shaping the mind, and freeing the mind. Know the mind, or know the heart-mind, shape the heart-mind, free the heart-mind. And, and this is really what we're, we're engaged with. And a way, one way of seeing that is that we're practicing intentions and ways of looking that unstick that release, that, that unbind, that kind of loosen our experience, that free up our experience. Kirsten used this word liquefy this afternoon, and we might come back to that in a bit, but just that kind of help what's become a bit solid and a bit kind of grooved to, to become more malleable, shapeable, like the kind of warm wax image that she used earlier. You know. And this is, this is a kind of awakening to the potential that actually when I am intentional about this shaping, shaping with grounding, shaping with softening, shaping with appreciating, shaping with allowing, you know, that, that does have, over time, it has effects. Ex experience is kind of reshaped towards a greater sense of well-being, towards a greater sense of, of freedom. And this cultivation of conscious cultivation of well-being really is an indispensable part of this path. There's this, um, well, I think of it as a kind of beautiful word because it's so evocative of um, what's most nourishing in the path. This word samadhi, which uh, sometimes gets translated as concentration, which always feels a bit kind of tight, but actually is, is much more about, and if you look at what the, the kind of the Buddha's there, the kind of reported as teaching and saying about samadhi. This is about blessings. This is about nourishment. This is about recollecting ourselves into a sense of well-being, gathering, kind of cohering our heart minds towards a sense of well-being. And so often the Buddha links this quality of samadhi, this practice of samadhi, which is really you know, a very considerable part of this path, collecting, gathering, cohering the heart-mind into a sense of well-being. The Buddha time and again uses words uh, associated with enjoyment. 
enjoyment. What is it to cultivate a sense of enjoyment in our practice and in our lives? Oh, okay, if I must, you know, it's like, th this is actually uh, a beautiful invitation from this path. The Buddha said, a skilled practitioner cultivates a sense of internal enjoyment. And what is it really to, you know, take that uh, seriously or playfully, perhaps? <laughs> you know. and, and to have a sense of enjoyment, not just as a kind of potential fruit that might crop up one day if I'm lucky as I'm sitting and walking, but actually something that moment to moment I'm really seeking to cultivate. This is a very, this, this image, this word cultivation is very central to this path. It's actually how the Buddha described this path. One is a path of, of bhavana is the word, which means kind of to bring into being. It's a kind of horticultural kind of image. And it's interesting to, you know, to think of what we're doing as being about cultivating, you know. Okay, I'm going to sit down and cultivate. You know? and, and what does that involve, cultivating? If we're, if we're growing something in the garden, it means kind of taking care of, kind of prioritizing, watering, really kind of valuing, making space for, nurturing. You know? And, and what, what would it be to, to make the cultivation of enjoyment really central to these days that we're spending here. Really to kind of practice bringing a, a sense of enjoyment, a sense of greater well-being into being more and more fully. And it's based on a very kind of fundamental principle of, of the Buddhas, which as he, as he put it, whatever the mind frequently, whatever the heart mind. So whenever I use the word mind let, or heart, we're meaning it, both, right? This word chitta. So whatever the heart mind dwells on frequently becomes the shape of the heart mind. The sense of the malleability, whatever we dwell on frequently starts more and more to shape the heart mind for for better or for worse, you know. And for what it's worth, we, we kind of know the neuroscience of this now, don't we? That actually, literally, what we cultivate in our heart mind sculpts the structure and the function of the brain, it seems. You know? And so, you know, this is really uh, a, key, a key part of the art and the opportunity of retreat is really to start or to practice renewing our appreciation of and enjoyment of aspects of our moment-by-moment -moment experience that we so easily end up taking for granted. You know? Just the simple nourishment of the in-breath the release of the out-breath, the, the kind of aliveness and 
kind of sensuality in a certain way of, of walking. You know, this miracle as we spoke about this morning, as Thich Nhat Hanh describes it. The sound of rain this afternoon. The sound of silence that holds it all. The taste of food. The quietness of the hands in the lap. These, these are little blessings that we so easily just become dulled to and numb to. And yet, and yet, when we really turn an appreciative awareness to them, they start to become more alive. They start to become blessings, nourishments, sources of well-being and ease in the moment. Hmm. It's interesting, in this light I can't really see my notes at all, so we'll just have to see what happens. Uh, it's, this is fine, it's fine. I, th I think it, I think it's probably better if I don't see them, actually. Uh, um, you know, we, one of the things we can also notice, can't we, is the difference between appreciation and craving. Do you notice that? That kind of craving is wanting something else to happen. You know, even I want my mind to get calm. I don't want this kind of discomfort to, to be here, you know. Appreciation is a kind of receptivity and valuing of what's already here. And it feels so different in the body, doesn't it? It's more this sense of receiving the awareness more like a satellite dish than a kind of laser beam that's trying to make something happen. And we can also see how how this can this this appreciative attitude can coexist with discomfort you know it's it's we can sometimes have a sense that okay i i've i've got to get rid of this you know painful knee or difficult thought in order to have a sense of enjoyment of the practice but we can also see that that actually part of the art of practice is as well as sometimes turning towards the difficult and investigating the difficult, also developing the capacity to, in a sense, not to give attention to the difficult. Because we can see that so easily what happens is we give attention to the difficult in a way that amplifies it, that kind of pumps up its unpleasantness. And that part of what we're, we're training in is, is actually to find a ground, to find resource that we can settle ourselves in, that we can rest in, that we can actually make much of, if you like. I can make much of the breath, even if the, the knee is also uncomfortable. And... You know, this, this is such an important training for life, isn't it? Where we're, we practice staying in contact with what resources us and nourishes us in the presence of what challenges us and activates us. So easy just to get kind of sucked into the vortex 
of challenge and difficulty and discomfort. And actually what we're doing here is really kind of finding a ground in, finding a, a sense of, of connection and resource that can enable us to, to relate to the difficult. So questions like, okay, well, where in the body is not uncomfortable? Or where, in fact, in the body might be feeling really quite comfortable? Or just simply kind of quietly okay? Can I value that? Can I appreciate that? Can I, in a sense, make much of it? Really let myself be resourced and nourished by that? What, what's outside the thought storm of the moment? Oh, well, the soles of my feet seem to be fine. You know? Or the bird song. Or the touch of the lips. Just the feeling of walking. So helpful, so helpful really to find and, and keep connecting and renewing the connection with what can resource and ground us. Because there's a very important principle here, which is, is to notice that pain and discomfort don't have an objective size and intensity within consciousness. Can you sense that? You know, that, that actually it very much depends on what climate of mind are they being held in? What am I practicing in the midst of this experience? Where am I resting my uh, attention? We start to see that actually this is part of the shaping of experience. Conscious shaping of experience to be cultivating a climate of mind that is appreciative and allowing Even when things are difficult, especially when things are difficult So yeah, really just to kind of uh, encourage you over, over uh, These days today this moment really to be connecting with and opening to the resource of what is enjoyable, what is enjoyable, what is nourishing. You know. We can feel how to do this really kind of helps to regulate our nervous system in a certain way. You know, it actually kind of brings us back to balance. To, to let ourselves a bit kind of bask in and bathe in what, is, what are the simple but nourishing blessings of our life. You know, nature, space, relative health. It's a blessing. Relative safety, as we reflected last night. Beauty. You know, really to be looking for and opening to the sense of beauty that's here. It feels like there's been a lot of it around today, hasn't there? You know? Just to, to feel the, the blessing of the kind of orientation to Dharma, you know, to truth, to wisdom, to compassion. 
to, to be in a, a place that, as we were reflecting last night, there is this commitment to, to ethics and to non-harming. It, it, it is really a practice kind of to, to take these in, to let them kind of be, be felt at a deeper level in our being. And, you know, sometimes people can say, well, I, I kind of feel a bit guilty just practicing enjoyment on retreat when, you know, the world is, there's so much suffering in the world or, or when, you know, my partner's looking after the kids at home or, or whatever it is. But actually to see that this is about, or this this certainly can be about resourcing us in order to be more of service in the world. You know? This isn't a kind of uh, indulgence here. Actually, this is a necessity, really, for a sense of well-being, bringing a greater capacity for equanimity and compassion into the midst of family Christmas or whatever it is, as Kirsten was describing last night, you know. We, we, need, we, need, we need people in this world, in our families, in our communities, who are resourced, you know, who really know how to resource and uh, cultivate a sense of well-being, cultivate a sense of steadiness. You may, you may remember Thich Nhat Hanh's stories about the the refugees from Vietnam, and he, he said, you know, well, if there was just one calm person in that boat, there was a chance of the whole boat surviving, you know. What a difference, you know, one person who's cultivating a sense of resource and, and, and balance and compassion in the midst of, you know, a family Christmas or the challenge at work or whatever it is that... You know, we can feel activated by. This is part of our kind of service, really. And, and I think a beautiful thing when we're on retreat is to have this sense daily, really, of kind of dedicating the, what we're cultivating to the well-being of the whole. You know, you may have a real sense of someone or some people to whom you want to dedicate your practice over these days. And that's a beautiful thing to do and a motivating thing to do. You know. And this sense of uh, appreciation and enjoyment and resourcing, uh, as well as really opening to the, the blessings of of the senses, if you like, the, the, the sights and the sounds and the tastes, the touch, the smell, you know, just coming more alive in our senses. Really, in that quotation from the Buddha I mentioned about cultivating a sense of, of inner, internal enjoyment that's also less and less dependent on external circumstances. And this is part of the practice of of the cultivation that we call meditation. And we've spoken quite a lot already uh, about this theme of grounding. And really just to kind of uh, reflect 
on how important that is, how easily we take for granted the sense of ground, and yet how tremendously uh, important this is midst all the kind of uh, activations and charges and uh, dynamics and shocks and uh, you know, tumbles of, of daily life. It's so easy, isn't it, just to be kind of charged and recharged by just one thing after another. And for these kind of charges to kind of, even just watching the news, you know, our system just can get so activated and these charges can just continue to circulate unless we have a sense of, of ground, unless we have a sense of how to kind of put the charge in, in the ground, a bit like a lightning conductor. You know? And so, you know, I always find the image of, of Siddhartha, the, the statue here, touching the earth. You know, this is part of the... the the story of Siddhartha on the night of his awakening, faced with the armies of Mara, which were so the kind of mythology has, you know, a sense of the mind being assailed by all the potential kind of hindrances and distractions. And what does he do? He touches the earth. Such a resonant gesture, which for me has a, such a reminder about the sanity of ground of really connecting with the sense of ground. And this is such a, a kind of practical practice. You know, there's something, you know, unconditionally supportive about ground, isn't it? It's not something we have to earn or manufacture. It's just there. You know, this is something that we just need to remember, you know, to, to and to cultivate, you know, to cultivate as a daily orientation and resource that can then be there for us when the charge is strong, when, you know, the lightning charge is strong. And this is, you know, a dimension of this, you know, it's the, the feet on the ground, the, the body on what we're sitting on, also the weight of the body, what the Buddha in the, in uh, Satipatthana, the Mindfulness Sutta, talks about as the earth element, really to feel the kind of ground of our limbs, the weight of the limbs. This is very kind of resourcing, steadying, supportive. And you know, grounding in a certain way is an orientation. It's a very practical orientation towards a degree of kind of equanimity and balance. So helpful to be cultivating that when we're relating, when we're talking, when we're meeting life, to have that sense of, of connection, rather like a, a plug having an earth fuse. You know. And we can see that, that what, you know, even, even right now, if you sit here and just kind of have that sense of grounding, and, and feel how it supports a certain kind of opening into space. Supports a kind of relationality. You know. Notice what happens if, as, as you're listening, there's also the sense of grounding. You know. 
And this cultivation of samadhi it is a spacious practice. It's, it's, uh, are you getting a sense of what this word samadhi means, by the way? Yeah? Because it's one of those words that actually one could translate, but actually there's something rather lovely about keeping the Pali term and, and having that sense of all these different dynamics of, of a kind of nourishment, resourcing, collectedness, calming, steadying, cohering the heart-mind. And the, the Buddha's description of doing this practice is one that involves the whole body. Kirsten was speaking about some of the kind of different places for the attention. One can focus up here or one can focus in the belly. Interestingly, that some of the Buddha's instructions, he speaks about breathing in, sensitive to the entire body. Breathing out, sensitive to the entire body. Breathing in, calming the bodily formation. Breathing out, calming the bodily formation. And this sense of, of holding the whole body in awareness. A spacious awareness. And part of what we can see here is that there's no one way in which the body objectively is. The body kind of is as we imagine it moment by moment, in different kinds of ways. And we were playing with that a bit this afternoon, weren't we, in terms of the body as a field of energy and sensation. And Kirsten was speaking about this kind of liquefying the body. And it's interesting just how many of the, the, the Buddha's images for, for mindfulness of the body are about images of liquid. He thinks, he presents, uh, and it's really interesting because we often hear the Buddha's teachings in quite a kind of structured way. It's the lists of this and that and the other. Actually, there's another lens you can use on the Buddha's teaching, which is to look at his images, the imagery. And there are certain scholars who say, actually, this may be more authentically the voice of, of, of the Buddha before the kind of teachings got codified. And it's so interesting how imagery of, of water and saturation kind of pervade the, the Buddha's teachings on mindfulness of the body. So for instance, he kind of presents, uh, invites an awareness of the body like filling a jug with water to the brim. So why don't you try that, out, that one out right now? Kind of imagine your body kind of filled with awareness to the brim. Can you feel that? He, he, he uses this image in a context where he's talking about protecting the heart-mind. Kind of a fullness of embodied awareness. Or another image where he describes kind of filling the body with a, an appreciative awareness, rather like, as he describes it, a, uh, 
a bathman or a bathman's apprentice is the language he uses. So it's, you can imagine in, in old times uh, there being someone there who would kind of do your bath for you and, and would create apparently a ball of soap suds. So kind of soap powder filled with water. And the Buddha says, you know, imagine this kind of ball of soap powder filled and saturated with water, but kind of kneaded so that it doesn't drip, kind of completely soaked. Do you get the image? Think a bit like a kind of bath sponge, you know, imagine a bath sponge filled with water. And what is it just to sense right now as you sit here, kind of imagine the body in that way kind of soaked and saturated every pore, every cell. With what? Well, with appreciative awareness. So as you, as you take a breath now, just to see what it's like to have that sense of feeling, feeling the body. With appreciative awareness, with a sensitivity and awareness that is bigger than even any knots of discomfort or agitation that are here. Can you sense a bit of that? It's, it's a practice, it's a practice. We have to kind of keep renewing that intention almost to stretch the awareness to include the whole sense of the body, to stretch the awareness, to include the whole sense of the body, to fill the body in this kind of way. And to, to be very consciously cultivating it as an attitude of enjoyment, as an attitude of enjoyment. In another of these kind of watery images, the, the Buddha compared this kind of filling the body with awareness, with a, appreciative awareness, to being like a lake that is filled by spring water from within, kind of so that the kind of coolness and, and pleasantness kind of arises from within rather than being dependent on, you know, external sources. And just even to have that, for, just to taste that for moments, that sense of, okay, I can let a sense of inner okayness, an inner sense of ease, an inner sense of appreciative awareness. Just be cultivated. Just be cultivated in this moment. Stops me kind of reaching out, looking elsewhere for it. Is, is this making some sense? Can you get a bit of this? You know? And I love his language. It's very kind of sensuous language. You know, fill and permeate and pervade and suffuse and drench this body, this body, heart, mind, <laughs> with this appreciative awareness. And the Buddha says this kind of pleasure should be developed, it should be cultivated. It doesn't need to be feared. You know, sometimes we can have a sense of, oh, if this is pleasant, what happens if I get attached to it? But actually, this is the kind of uh, cultivation of well-being that actually supports the releasing of clinging, the releasing of uh, 
kind of craving. Because there's, there's an inner sense of sufficiency that we're developing. And this is, this is a, a practice. This is a craft. This is a cultivation that takes patience. That takes this kind of renewing of intention. That takes a certain lightness or playfulness. Just to keep back, keep Coming back to this sense of inner sense of ease or inner sense of appreciation, just to whatever extent that's available to us. I came across a, a quotation uh, recently that said, that says, truth, like love and sleep, resists approaches that are too intense. Uh, and in a certain way, this kind of collectedness is kind of the same. <laughs> yeah? If I'm striving to be concentrated, you know, if I'm really kind of wanting something different to be happening, you know, that actually is the obstacle to a sense of collectedness and ease and well-being. This is much more about a kind of letting go, an allowing of the moment to be as it is, and an appreciation of what is here that can be supportive, that can be nourishing, that can be a quiet blessing, even if it's just the tingle of the hands in the lap. Are you sensing that? Because actually one of the things we can notice is that when I really bring an appreciative awareness to the sensations of the hands tingling in the lap, it changes the degree of pleasantness. You know? We start to sense, oh, actually, the, the attitude I'm bringing to this determines how nourishing and how pleasant it is. And so really to, to kind of uh, settle the uh, attention in the parts of the body that feel okay, that feel quietly pleasant, and to allow that to kind of to bloom, to be appreciated, to be received. This is, this is the very kind of nature of the cultivation of samadhi. And it's the, the gentle persistence rather than the intensity of okayness or pleasantness that is what matters. Just kind of gently to appreciate the sensations of the hands in the lap and just to kind of dwell with that and breathe with that. Or that feeling of the body kind of softening. Just to dwell in the midst of that, to, to breathe with that. You know, as they, as they say, you know, if you're growing carrots, it doesn't help to kind of dig them up every other day and measure them, see how far they've grown, you know, or to compare them with some idea of how we think they're meant to be by now, you know. And yet we can so easily do that with our practice, can't we? Well, I've been practicing for, you know, I've been practicing for two years and I really should be, you know. <laughs> And actually just to kind of appreciate how 
appreciate the blessings that are here rather than comparing them with some idea of how we think they should be. This way, this is the way to the cultivation of a greater sense of well-being. And why do we do this? Why cultivate samadhi? Well, the sense of well-being and the sense of nourishment, so supportive, so supportive in our, in our life, in our practice. There are so many blessings of, of cultivating in this way. And as we cultivate, we really come to see more clearly you know, what obstructs, what gets in the way, what ways of looking obscure experience and what open it up, what resource it, what open it up, what supports also a sense of letting go, of greater ease, greater collectedness. Can I just check how you're doing? Because there's a little bit more. I know it's the first evening, so is that okay a little bit more? Okay. So just wanted to share really five uh, tools in this craft, five kind of tools that are so helpful in, in, in this kind of cultivation of the heart-mind. And particularly in the kind of meditative aspect of it. So the first of these is, and, and they're kind of a list that, that the tradition presents for really cultivating this sense of collectedness. The first of these is often translated directed attention. So it's the thought that takes the attention to the sensations of breathing, wherever we feel that, the feeling of the hands the f sensation of the foot on the ground, yeah? Can we see that there's a kind of thought that takes the attention there, yeah? So you think, oh, hands, <laughs> or oh, sit bones. And, and you, we kind of are training that, particularly kind of to begin with, we're just kind of saying, okay, come back, <laughs> come back. Okay, go to the, the soles of the feet, soles of the feet. Soles of the feet, soles of the feet, yeah? The second and kind of complement to that is, uh, and that, that one is called, the directed attention is called vitakka, which means kind of pointing the attention to something and, and, and going there. The second, vichara, is a kind of receptive sensitivity and exploration. So if I... Vitaka takes the attention to the hands in this moment. Okay, hands. Can you sense that then there's a kind of, there's another dynamic that's needed to explore and feel and sense and kind of receive the sensations of the hands. Th does that make sense? Can you feel that? You know, that if I just am just pointing it, it doesn't kind of engage, it doesn't sustain in a certain way. What we're doing with vichara, this kind of receptive sensitivity, is really to stay with, stay with this breath, the in-breath, 
the out breath, feeling the out breath, feeling the out breath into the pause, dwelling in the pause, sensing the pause into the next in breath. And we're kind of surfing with the experience. It's a different dynamic from kind of go there. Can you feel that? And very helpful in practice just to have kind of quite consciously be using both of those kind of dynamics with the attention. We, m we may find after a while that the, the kind of direction is kind of less, we need it less often if we're really sensing and, and dwelling with and feeling out the breath or feeling out the hands. Kind of this, this receptive vichara aspect looks beyond the label hands into the sensations of hands, yeah? into the kind of energetic field of hands. Kind of dwelling in that, feeling your way into that. Vichara also could ask a question like, oh, what's the most comfortable way to breathe in this moment? So that there's a real sense of being with it and, and kind of supporting a certain ease through that. So directed attention, kind of receptive sensitivity and exploration. The third, it, we could translate as, as appreciative fullness. Appreciative fullness. The Pali word is piti. And it's kind of allowing the heart-mind to be filled with the sensations of the breath or the hands. So in this moment, you could have a sense of breathing in and really feeling the awareness with the freshness of the in-breath. And then as you breathe out, really savoring and feeling the awareness with the subsiding of the out-breath and really dwelling in that. this kind of appreciative fullness, appreciative fullness, a fullness of, of the kind of seeds of enjoyment, if you like. And what's often really helpful as we do this is really to sense, okay, where in the body, heart, mind, where feels pleasurable in this moment? Okay, yeah, it's the hands, or yes, it's the, the, real, the sense of the easing on the out-breath. I'm really going to savor that, kind of nuzzle into that, enjoy that, be filled with that. This is the uh, kind of dynamic of the practice that is soothing, that is healing, that... that allows a kind of dwelling in the, the sensations and the sense of ease in the body to whatever extent it's present. So we've got the directed attention, we've got the kind of receptive sensitivity and exploration. We've got this kind of appreciative fullness that's really receiving the experience. The fourth of these qualities is relaxation, ease, contentment even. 
the, the Pali word is sukkha, which is a word that contrasts with dukkha, which is a word you may have heard of, meaning dissatisfaction, discontent, you know, distress. Sukkha, the opposite of that, contentment. And can be helpful, you know, really, as we were doing this afternoon, that beautiful lying down meditation that Kirsten led us through. And maybe you felt the kind of ease of that and felt the pleasantness of the ease of it. You know, to even if just to some extent there was a feeling of relaxing coming into the body, you know. And really, you know, again and again as we sit here and walk here and practice here, just to notice if there's tension that you can release, allow to drain into the ground. To tune to the sense of contentment. Again, not just have it as a kind of random, lucky uh, you know, coincidence when I trip over a sense of contentment you know, when I'm practicing, but actually something I can tune to. It's, I kind of think of it as a bit, you know, like in the old analog radios, you know, you're kind of tuning to a ra radio station, kind of Radio Luxembourg or something. It's quite difficult to find, but oh yeah, oh yeah, that's, that's it, I can hear it, you know? And similarly with the sense of contentment. You know, what is it, even right now, to sense, can I tune? Even if there's other, you know, lots of other interference, lots of other radio stations broadcasting in the heart-mind in this moment, can I, can I find that frequency that has a flavor of contentment? And, and tune to it. And just allow it through, just allow it into the kind of space of the body as well as the heart. And even if it's very quiet, even if it's very quiet, like Radio Luxembourg, you know, can I still appreciate it? Can I appreciate it? Whatever the mind frequently dwells upon becomes the shape of the mind. Can I tune to that? So, so this fourth factor of easing, of relaxing, of, of contentment, of kind of sufficiency. Contentment's got this feeling of, okay, this is enough. You know, this is enough just to be here sitting now in the silence or here walking in the garden with the bird song and the blue sky. This is enough. This is something we can practice. This is something we can cultivate. This is how a sense of well-being is cultivated. And the fifth of these, these qualities, these, these tools, if you like, is, is just a sense of, of the gradual kind of cohering, the gradual harmonizing of the body and the heart-mind. I, I intended to say earlier how, you know, in, the, in the, the psychology of the Dharma, body and heart-mind are not two separate entities. The Buddha speaks about the kind of chitta-kaya, meaning the kind of heart-body, <laughs> you know, or the, the body-mind, you know. 
And this is really why this cultivation of samadhi is such a somatic practice, such a, a bodily practice, because reintegrating the attention and the heart-mind into the body brings a sense of well-being. And there can just be that sense when we're grounding and then holding the body in a spacious awareness that we're, we're allowing the body-heart-mind just gradually to kind of cohere, to, to some of the knots dissolve. This is part of the kind of blessing of liquidizing, if you like, allowing the body-heart-mind to be more fluid, more soft, more a field of energy and sensation than lots of solid anatomical labels. We kind of can see that you know, when I imagine the body as lots of anatomical labels, it's a perfectly valid way to imagine it, but it's, it's still an imagining. And there are other ways of experiencing the body, you know, such as a field of energy and sensation, such as uh, having fluidity and softness to it. And that this is a cultivation of, of peacefulness. This is a cultivation of well-being. This is a cultivation of sufficiency and contentment in the moment. And remembering that we can, we can engage with this even if things are really difficult, alongside things being difficult. It's so easy when things are difficult for that to kind of become the only show in town, the difficulty. And actually just that sense of, okay, the feet touching the earth. The sanity of the sit bones, the weight of the hands, the nourishment of this breath, the sound of the silence, the birdsong, the rain, the breeze on my face. These are all blessings. These are all blessings that can really profoundly resource and support a sense of well-being and that can really help, help us and, and in a certain way are the remembering and the gradual progressive awakening of the heart's potential. So we've reflected this evening on on samadhi, this, this quality of collectedness and well-being that's available for us to cultivate in any moment. And how integral the conscious art of gentle enjoyment is in that cultivation and to this practice. The blessings of this in our practice and in our lives. We've reflected on, on grounding, on spaciousness, on this kind of reimagining the body in ways that support this kind of cohering and resourcing and nourishing. And on these kind of five tools that the Buddha offered for this craft, this directed attention, receptive sensitivity, 
appreciative fullness, ease and relaxation and contentment, and then this cohering and harmonizing that really happens gradually as a, a kind of fruit of the other four. Our hearts, as we practice, we can sense how our hearts have this extraordinary, extraordinary capacity to be shaped. And how the, the clarity of intention, the, the patience and the simple willingness to keep renewing that intention are how we do that, are how we do that. And that this is how the heart is progressively nourished, collected, shaped and freed. And that's it. this is something we can trust. This is something we can trust. Just finish with a, a verse from the Buddha which speaks to that trust and always seems to me quite um, helpful at the end of the first day of a retreat. He says, don't regard the potential of sincere and skillful intentions and practice thinking, well, the benefits won't come back to me. With dripping drops of water, even a water jug is filled. So little by little, those practicing sincerely and with increasingly skillful intentions will be filled with beneficial results. So just a few moments of silence. So thank you for your attention. And we now have a walking period. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.